0: welcome back to half the battle i'm your host as always daniel levy your guest co-host nick kalikas today we're going to be talking about ufc 286 the trilogy between the champ leon edwards and the former champ kamaru uzman and nick it's going down this saturday night in the uk and this saturday afternoon for us here in the states live at the o2 arena in london england i mean there was no option but to put these guys back in there together and you got Kamar Uzman as a favorite once again, but for the champ it's a dream come true to have this homecoming defending his belt in his backyard. I mean, it doesn't get any better than this, Nick.
1: Oh, no way. Especially, I mean, it was kind of a dream scenario for him. You saw how he reacted after he got the win, the late comeback crazy. One of the craziest results and comebacks we've ever seen. So with all that lined up in in his backyard now I'm looking forward to it man I'll tell you what Edwards deserves to be in the spotlight he's been flying under the radar for so long so I'm happy for him
0: no doubt so let's get right down to business in the main event we got the champ Leon Edwards he's 20 and 3 taking on Kamaru Usman who's 20 and 2 and currently they got it Kamara uzman minus 245 the comeback on leon edwards is plus 205 so right off the bat nick a lot of people are going to view this as a discount on Kamara uzman i mean last time off the top of your head i mean i, I believe he closed what minus 380 minus 400 ish uh uh the last time
1: yeah it sounds about right i believe so i think that's yeah, it's accurate yeah he's around that four to one ish type of favorite and again I mean, a lot of betting public out there had him in parlays. It was everybody was all over him the first time around. Well, I should say the second time officially around, right?
0: Yeah, no doubt about it. And I'm glad you brought up that this is a trilogy because a lot of people didn't even watch the first fight. They saw the la- the second one, the-, the rematch, as if that was the first ever fight. But the two fights they've had, they- there's some commonalities in there, man. I mean, Leon Edwards won the first round both times they fought. Kamaru Usman won the second and third both times they fought so the last time we got to see it a little bit more extended and basically this is what i gather, nick i gathered that this fight is going to be dictated by the range at, at which it takes place i mean if we're talking about on the outside a more slow-paced kickboxing match i mean you got to give that to edwards all day because that's where he had the success in the first and the fifth rounds i'm talking at range you know firing those kicks uh downstairs to the legs eventually setting him up upstairs the occasional punch you know even though round two went to uzman there was a nice little wobble that uh that you know edwards caught him with there but let me say this that's at range up close kamaru Usman was absolutely dominating leon edwards and and people say oh it's just the wrestling it's not no he dominated him standing too but it was up close it was not at distance so up close in kind of the more dirty boxing range i mean uzman looked like he couldn't be touched from that range and also he started to get the takedowns easier and easier now there's the narrative about the altitude And although that's factually correct, that, you know, Salt Lake City, I can't sit here and debate that that's an elevation. I mean, it is what it is. But we also have to bring up some other facts. You know, we have to bring up the fact that Leon Edwards, I mean, he slept in an altitude tent for that camp. He went to Salt Lake City two to four weeks in advance. So it's not like he showed up on Tuesday of fight week unprepared like Cain Velasquez did in Mexico back in the day. Right. I think that Leon was properly acclimated. But the pace of Kamaru Usman got to him just like it did the first time. So, Nick, we're going to talk about, you know, how does one bounce back from, you know, such a devastating knockout? Because that's a big talking point, too. But before I do that, what kinds of adjustments do you think Leon can make up close? Because that's where Kamaru truly dominated the fight.
1: Well, he's going to have to keep that distance a lot better off. You're you're right. Absolutely. the good thing about this time around is, I mean, the first time was so long ago that even if he he went through it, he felt it, both those guys made improvements. So I think this time he legitimately had to feel Usman's power, his strength, how good he was on the inside, like you said. So those adjustments are desperately needed. So I'm hoping that this kind of works for him in that re- regard, right? That it does improve everything because, again, he had, what, about six months ago, right? He felt it real time. And I think those adjustments are definitely needed. Now, it's not easy to make those. And, of course, Usman now on the other side of it, he knows he's going to have to close that gap and just not let any space take place because he's going to be second guessing himself. Even though we see the confidence in Usman coming into this, at least he's playing that game. He's going to second guess himself a little bit. I think if it stays in space, so he's going to want to close that gap. So yeah, it's going to be difficult for both guys to make those adjustments, but I think they are going to do what's needed to try to improve in their game. That
0: yeah, sense. no doubt about it. And I'm glad you brought that up because A lot of people say that Usman coasted in the fifth round after being up the second, third, and fourth. I don't think it was a matter of coasting. I think it was a matter of playing at the wrong range, which is kind of like the big talking point that we have here. That last round in the fifth round, I mean, he was standing at distance trying to kickbox with Leon, which is a big no no. He abandoned what gave him so much success in the second, third, and fourth rounds. But now we got to talk about this knockout, man, because this wasn't just, you know, a little flash knockdown, a little early stoppage. You know, you put the towel on his head and, you know, you encourage him to go back in there, you know, walk it off. This was a life changing knockout, Nick. And oftentimes when these long reigning champs lose their belts, they don't come back the same i mean you saw it a couple days ago with peter yan did that look i'm not gonna i'm not gonna discredit marab's amazing performance but did that look anything remotely close to the guy that many people were touting as the pound for pound number one Piotr yan it didn't to me
1: no not at all that was shocking how dominant that performance was i mean yeah you're right i mean it takes a toll on you all these wars all these fights for all these guys i mean it just – it wears on your body, wears on you mentally. It just You take a step down or decline when you're fighting at that high level. I, I believe that that's the case. And with Usman, like you said, man, I mean, he did get shut off. The lights were – that was a brutal knockout. And we've seen him take some punishment before this as well. It's not like he hasn't been rocked. He hasn't been hurt in fights. He has been, but he just recovers so fast. But now after a brutal knockout like that, I'm not sure his recovery is going to be so fast. And, I, again, it's been only, what, half a year or so since they've been in there. I think he needed a little bit more time to just – comfortably recover. I mean, I think this is a little bit too soon for him. So there is a lot of question marks. I mean, that knockout was devastating enough that it could be career changing.
0: A hundred percent. And that's what I'm most worried about because, okay. So I mentioned the Peter Yan fight and you know, when he lost his belt, he didn't even get stopped. You know, it was more of the disappointment yeah. of thinking you won, you know, you won that fight. They took it away from you, this and that, but we've seen other, you know, examples, Amanda Nunes, when she lost her belt, you know, it was more of a kind of a mental lapse, you know, kind of a quick tap. She was able to rebound, but we've seen other examples in the past. Anderson Silva was on, you know, his historic reign. As soon as he lost to wyman when he came back, he lost again. And he was never the same ever again after that. So, I'm just curious if that aura of invincibility, you know, it, to us it is, to us it's gone because we saw him flatline, but to Usman, what does that do to his confidence? Like, is he going to come out here more gun shy? Is he coming out here, closing the distance right away? I'm very curious. Also, how does he react to getting hit now? Uh, you know, because I agree with you. Look, I'm no doctor, but from watching the sport for so many years, it seems like maybe he could have taken a little bit more time off.
1: Yes, I agree with you completely. Like you said, I'm not a doctor either. Maybe, you know, this is okay timing. not sure, but I I just, my confidence level in him right now is not high because of all that, for sure. You got to factor that in. There's no question about it. And I mean, just factor in that, like the hometown crowd is going to be a push for Edwards, for sure. You see how these UK fighters perform in front of their crowd, man. It's a different adrenaline. I think it's one of, I've said it on a couple of different shows already this week. I think it's a different atmosphere, a different aspect of things. Like there's certain places that the fans get behind the fighters and the fighters perform at a different level. And I think the UK O2 Arena is, is that kind of atmosphere for these fighters. So Edwards is going to have, you know, his country behind him. It's it's going to be insane. So I think that energy now, again, will it wear on him a little bit more? Maybe will he gas out sooner because of that? You know, everything's kind of adrenaline flow and everything just hyped up to another level. I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out, but I think it's only going to benefit Edwards being in his backyard this time around too.
0: And I mean, I see the point you're making, but honestly, I've seen examples of both. Okay, I've seen Michael Bisman go in there against Anderson Silva headline in the UK, have the performance of his career, earn himself a title shot. But I've also seen Darren Till go out there against Masvidal and the whole place (laughs) went silent. Right. So it's one of those things. I guess, you know, at the end of the day, we are gamblers. So is there value at plus 205, plus 210 on someone like Leon?
1: I do think so. I mean, as crazy as it sounds, because like I said, I think the majority of the people out there that watched the last fight are going to think it's free money, Usman, at the price. There's no question about it. Because look, like you said, it was about 400-ish or higher in some places, right? So with that said, I mean, he was clearly on his way to winning that decision before the stoppage. So I think automatically in most people's mind, there's value here. A lot of the analytics are going to point to Usman's side as well. So we are going to see some heavy action coming on this side thinking that it's a discounted price so you could get a better line than the plus 205 if you wait till fight day because i think again with the parlays everything else kind of coming into play here but my question marks are all over the usma side i do think edwards is going to continue to improve and i think he is a live dog here so anything around plus 200 ish, i think it's a dog or pass situation personally
0: yeah i mean listen man if this was you know kind of like a little flash knockdown or early stoppage whatever then you know, I'm more inclined to maybe put my foot down on Usman. But like I told you, you know, from the beginning of this chat, when those long-reigning champs lose their belt, especially in this fashion, I just don't know what he's going to come back like. And he's also, you know, he's not old, but he's also, you know, he's closer to 40 than he is to 30 is kind of what I'm trying to say. So it's tough. Like if you put that, if you hang a plus 300 on Leon, then it's kind of like no questions asked. But, But here I'm just... I'm just not sure. It's like, cause I watched the fight again yesterday and it's like, man, Uzman was cruising. And then last round, he decides to play around in Leon's kickboxing range. And it's like, Usman has a path to not just win, but to dominate, to double up Leon on strikes, to get takedowns at will. It's just, how's he going to react to these shots? Where's his confidence at? Is he going to be a little bit more gunshot? So for all those questions, I agree with you with the dogger pass situation. I do kind of lean towards Uzman because I think he's a superior fighter. But, you know, I can't sit here with any kind of confidence after a knockout like that. It's only been a few months. You know, too many questions for me to lay chalk here.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I don't think you could do it. I mean, like I said, a lot of the people that are tempted to pull the trigger, I would approach this fight with caution for sure on the Usman side. If people automatically throw him in a parlay, think it's auto win. I don't know. I mean, five rounds is a long time to go again. I know it was kind of, like I said, the way it played out, a lot of us think it was flukish, sort of speak. I mean, but again, I mean, a guy like Edwards, that's kind of part of his rhythm. That's part of his training. That's second nature to him to land a shot like that as well right so he could flow right into that like he did in the fifth round last time and I think here he he has that in the back of his head that doesn't matter I mean it could happen around three could happen around four I personally think Edwards probably gets him out of there earlier this time I think it could end in the first couple rounds as crazy as that sounds I mean I just don't expect this to play out exactly like it did last time or even close to it I think Edwards takedown defense is going to be better he's going to be able to keep the space a little bit better I personally hope he kind of doesn't overexert himself for that like last time in the first round he actually controlled the wrestling right you said he won the first round and i think that took a lot out of him though going into you know the next couple of rounds too because it drained him even more so again so i hope that he uses that takedown defense and not maybe wrestle offensively so he could kind of pace himself a little bit more as well so but everything to me is pointing to the Edward side. edwards side as crazy as it sounds based on their last fight
0: I mean, Nick, I don't think there's anything crazy about you saying that you expect a different fight because if you look at the history of title fights and rematches, I mean, they're usually always like different, man. I mean, look, Wiley and Joanna, first fight, fight of the year, second fight, right. domination, spinning back fist knockout. I mean, you look at Gustafson and Jones, you look at right. Pettis and Benson Henderson. I mean, I can go on for days. Machida Shogun, like the rematch is never the same as the first fight when you're talking about title fights. So I, I feel where you're coming from. So it's just, how's, Usman going to react to these shots? How quickly is he going to close the distance? So, so many questions for me that is just, get, just please hang a plus 300 on Leon for me. Cause that pl- <laughs> I don't plus, think 200- plus
1: 300, it's not going to reach plus 300. <laughs> it <might> get, <laughs> it, it I would be surprised if, if the line approaches minus 300 for the Usman side, like it might peak at that price right around there. So you might get plus two fifty ish. Plus, You know, at the most, I think. But again, if it reaches that point, there's going to be some sharps that come in for sure on the Edwards side. So this line will probably, you know, float around where it is up and down a little bit. I don't think it's going to move too drastic from here, though.
0: I, I'll tell you why I'm struggling to, uh you know, to just go ahead and put the money down on Leon is because the box score, like you were mentioning, I mean, I always like to take the guys that can double up their opponents on strikes that can land those takedowns that will that can dominate, you know, the fight. But, you know, not to repeat myself, how's this dude going to come back? Because that was not just any knockout. So for me, when I have these many questions, usually I'll just go ahead and bet the dog. I mean, if I'm not sure you take a plus 200 <laughs> dog, but like man, I know the other guy can dominate. I just don't know if you will. So I kind of need to sit back unless they really hang a big number on Leon for me.
1: I can respect that. And I think a lot of people are going to follow suit as well. I've heard a lot of sharp opinions that are just going to stay away from this fight. And that might be the best bet. Stay away and watch and, and, you know, check it out. And Hopefully it's an exciting fight.
0: It's uncharacteristic of me to pass here, though, because like I said, I love fading uh, the long reigning champion that lost their belt on that fight back. Because, I mean, it's your it's your dream to be a champion, not only them, but uh, a challenger that loses, uh, you know, on their title shot, their first fight back. They kind of look unmotivated at times. You Look at what happened to Dominic Reyes. So like, man, um, usually I would actually take Edwards here as a bet just off principle. I'm just not sure. I'm just not sure. So I got to sit back, man. I got to sit back.
1: Yeah, like I said, I don't blame you because I mean, it, this could play out, even though I don't think it's going to play out similar. I mean, like we said, it's, it wouldn't be shocking if he does come in there, wrestle, close the gap quick, and just control the fight, make it kind of a dull, boring fight. I mean, we, none of us want to see that, though, man. You know, I, I, no, like, no offense. I mean, wrestlers out there that have to grind people out to get the W, you got to do what you got to do. So even if it is boring and it's not you know, aesthetically pleasing or whatever to the fans out there. You got to get that payday. You got to keep dominating. Do what you got to do to win. So outside of that, selfishly, I'm just saying, like, you know what I mean? If, If that happens, so be it. But all of us want to see exciting fights. We want to see competitiveness. We don't want to see a domination.
0: Absolutely. So unless you got money on him. Right. But yeah. Right. Now, right, right. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we'll have to see what happens. But listen, co-main event of the evening Ooh. in the lightweight division. I mean, we, we got World War Three here, man. We got Justin Gaethje. He's 23 and four taking on Rafael Fiziev, who's 12 and one. And currently, Nick, I mean, the line hasn't budged, man. Currently, it's still Rafael Fiziev 225. And depending where you look on Gaethje, I see from plus 175 to plus 190. But that minus 225 has not budged for the last few days. So, I mean, what's uh, what's the, uh, the sharp action looking like here?
1: There's not a lot of sharp action on this fight. A little bit more on Gaethje, of course, because, you know, I mean the numbers. But there's not a lot of heavy action coming in here. I think there will be by fight day, though, for sure. I wouldn't be surprised if this line does keep dropping a little bit. Because, man, Gaethje with all that firepower in a firefight that we're going to see here. See, here's the thing. The difference here. Usman in the main event might be able to control Edwards, and it might be a boring type of fight. This one is not going to be boring. We know that for sure. I mean, Gaethje is in all sorts of wars. He's fun. He just automatically like – when you, when he's fighting, you have to watch. I mean, it's just – there's never a dull moment. And the Fazeev side of things, I mean, he's almost similar, right? Meaning that he might not – he hasn't had as many fights in the UFC, hasn't had as many highlight reels or whatever you want to say, but at the same time, He is one of the best strikers I've seen in the octagon in a long time. His technique, his power, just everything about him, his fight IQ on the feet is phenomenal to watch. So these guys are going to be slugging it out. I do favor Fazeev. I hope the line does drop because I do have a playoff for and I want to get even a better price. So I know that's crazy because a lot of people out there – I've made a lot of money backing Gaichi throughout the years, right? So I know what he is. I understand the talent. But in this spot here, I think you have to side with the chalk. I mean, I I hate to say it because I know it's kind of a risky – option at times betting against Gaethje but here I think the durability of Fazeev is going to come through and again his technique if they get in a firefight I trust him a little bit more than I do Gaethje here. Gaethje's been in so many wars that something's going to give and I think we're starting to see him kind of reach a spot where he is declining a little bit and Fazeev man I mean he's the dark horse in this lightweight division I think and he could potentially get that title shot so both guys are kind of going in opposite directions right now that's why Fazeev's favorite and I think it's right.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, when I'm looking into, you know, an opponent to fight Justin Gaethje, right, like all the things you said are true. You know, Fazeev, much more technical kickboxer, has, you know, that Muay Thai is this and that. We That's been established. The fast twitch, the explosiveness, all that. No disagreement. So but there's one thing I need to look into if you're fighting a guy like Justin Gaethje do you have that dog in you and nick i can tell you right here right now on half the battle rafael faziv absolutely has that dog in him point in case watch his fight with bobby green i mean that fight was absolute bananas and while bobby green doesn't have the same firepower of a justin gaethje i'd say his defense is a lot better i'd say he's faster than justin gaethje and there's a lot of misconceptions about that fight because I believe, what was the price on Fazeeva in that fight? You know, sometimes, okay, so he was, okay, so was like minus 315 in that fight. So people were expecting, you know, an early knockout. But Bobby Green is someone that people need to respect. Like, yeah. usually when guys beat Bobby Green, and I'm not talking about like, you know, these bullshit split decisions where people are landing takedowns. and this. I'm talking about when you go to war with Bobby Green, dudes get pieced up. Look, look at Drew Dober. I mean, Drew Dober had to pull that one out of his ass to get uh, Bobby Green out of there. And Rafael Fazeev was standing in the pocket And he wasn't the one getting touched up, man He was touching up Bobby Green When Bobby Green was answering with, with his fast hands I mean, You saw the head movement of a guy like Rafael Fazeev And that, that's against hands We've seen, you know, in the DeCasey fight The Matrix head movement against against kicks But now I have evidence that he can also, you know Dodge punches, block punches uh, Against a very fast combinations uh, puncher in Bobby Green And going back and re-watching that fight yesterday i was super impressed like i think people overblow uh bobby's success in that fight and that's not to discredit a true vet of the game and og someone that we hold in high regard but rafael faziv showed me the goods and in that fight specifically he showed me that look if you're not going to knock out justin gaethje early i'm confident you can go to war with him now there are some things you got to be worried about. I mean, you know about the one-punch knockout power of Justin Gaethje, not just in the UFC, even in his pre-UFC days. But the funny thing about it, Nick, was that coming into the UFC, I was questioning how long of a career, you know, Justin Gaethje was going to have. Because you remember in his uh, – it wasn't PFL. It was WSOF, World Series Mm -hmm. of Fighting. I mean, he was going life and death (laughs) with every single guy he fought. He was getting rocked and wobbled every single fight. He would just find a way to win, and he's been doing that in the UFC here. It's just – getting rocked and wobbled against a guy like rafael Fiziev, and that just seems really tough to come back from like i cannot cannot you know i cannot discount the possibility of you know those calf kicks of gaethje you know the deal is nasty uppercut he's caught he's caught a lot of people with in the clinch his dirty boxing he's just got that dog in him but luckily for him you know sometimes these credential kickboxers they want that pretty fight you know they want they don't want to get touched but they want to touch you right Fiziev is down to he's down to get down to the nitty gritty and that's what i saw in that bobby green fight he does have that dog in him so therefore i'm i'm considering laying it as well
1: nice good because I, I like i said there's not too many people there has a lot of people are hesitating laying that chalk uh on fazee so i'm glad you agree because like i said i think we're going to be it's it just auto automatically for most people out there we see gaethje at a big plus money especially against another striker, I mean, it's almost an auto bet for people. But again, I think you got to look deeper like you did and you can find some value in Fazeev despite it being the chalk side. So I agree. Like I said, man, I hope the, the line keeps dropping. I hope we get 200 or under. That'd be great. But I'm willing to lay minus 225 right now for sure, minus 235. I think, believe it or not, anything under minus 250 has a little bit of value. Now, of course, it's a smaller play at the minus 250 range than it is at minus 200, right? But It doesn't matter. I think there's a play and there's a little bit of value for minus 250 and under, and you're getting that of course, right now.
0: I personally think that when Fazeev finally finds his range, I actually do think his knockout potential is high here, but just in case, you know, it's another Justin Gaethje war. I trust Fazeev in a dogfight. I saw the evidence I need to see that he can go out there and, you know, not just, you know, give it, but take it too, but also put up that output that I need. Like, you know, the over hundred significant strikes in a three round fight, I saw what I need to see in that Bobby green fight for me to feel comfortable here. So yeah, I'm with it. And, and, and I got Faziv and most likely betting him too.
1: Nice. Nice. And he's got to continue to improve. That's a thing. I mean, each time he steps in the octagon, I mean, he's conditioning everything across the board. Hopefully I mean, he's just trending in the right direction. He's doing the right things. And you know, the insiders, the people that train with him they say nothing but amazing things about him, right? They they believe he is the part and he's a future champion. So, I mean, from training partners to watching to everything that we're seeing in real time, he seems like he's the part for sure.
0: And then one last thing, which is kind of, you know, an intangible, so to speak, kind of like we were talking about, oh, well, how's Usman going to come back, right? Versus actually breaking down the matchup at hand. On all these interviews I've been seeing with Gaethje, he's talking about, man, it's been a fun ride. You know, I got one or two more left in me. And while I respect the honesty and he's always been a very transparent guy and you got to love it. He wears his heart on his sleeve. You also know damn well, Nick, that Rafael Fazeev isn't thinking about anything except moving up to that belt. Uh, Gaethje is talking, hey, you know, I got one or two left in me and that's it. I like fading situations like that.
1: I do as well. It's almost an auto fade. If, if, if the fighters start talking retirement, I mean, not always, but a lot of times it is, man. I mean, it's not a successful venture. If they, if they think they have one or two fights left, I don't like where their mindset is, right? You you can't have that in you if you're competing at this level. So that is another flag for sure that you need to be aware of. And I'm glad you pointed that out because I'm sure a lot of people were not aware of that. And if he's talking already a little bit about retirement or, uh, you know, maybe a couple fights left, that's not a good thing. I mean, that's, again, another kind of checkmark towards Fazeev, if you will. Yeah,
0: his exact words. It's been a fun ride. I got one or two left in me. All right, bro. And hey, we appreciate <laughs> All the blood you've spilled on that canvas for oh. our entertainment. You're the man, Justin.
1: He is awesome. I mean, he's definitely one of my favorite all-time fighters to watch, There's no question. I mean, like I said, literally, there's no dull moments in his fight. Amazing. That's the type of guy that you want to see get paid huge money, that you want to see, like, you know what I mean, taking care of it and all that, because he, he puts it all on the line for you every time he's out there. I mean, that's what it's all about. He's just a phenomenal guy to watch, fight, and compete.
0: So he's labeled himself the most exciting fighter in the history of the sport. Agree or disagree?
1: Oh, man, it's so hard to say who he exactly is, but he's up there for sure. I, I'm not going to argue with him, put it that way. I mean, yeah, there's just so many, you know, to be an exciting fighters throughout, but he's one of those for sure. And I yeah. mean, it's hard to argue. Yeah. So I'll agree with him there.
0: hundred percent. So <laughs> featured bout, uh, we got Gunny Nelson. He's 18 and five, taking on Brian Barberena, who's 18 and nine. And currently they got it, Gunny Nelson, minus 375. The come back on Bam Bam Barbarina's plus 280. So, I, I mean, listen, I know who I'm rooting for. I know who I'd rather see win as a fan. It's just that, you know, listen, man, some of the guys that have taken down Barberena, you know, whether it's Darian Weeks taking him down four times, whether it's Jason Witt taking him down eight times. And Nick, let me ask you something. If you had never watched Brian Barberena versus Jason Witt, right, and I told you, hey, one guy got dropped in that fight, I know damn well that you would guess <laughs> Jason Witt was the one that got dropped yeah, in the fight. Good question. But it was actually Barberena that got dropped by Witt in that fight. So here's the thing. I mean, I'm just bringing these things up that he's been taking down, you know, eight uh, – So. Five times against Anthony Ivey, eight times against Jason Witt, four times against Darian Weeks, five times against Matt Brown, four times against RDA. So, I mean, the, the, the blueprint is out there for Gunny to do. And Gunny, even though, you know, I've criticized him in the past, you know, he never fights and this and that. I mean, the dude's got some wins on, on his resume, man. He like, he's dating to back in the day, tapping out Omari Akhmedov back in 2014. When he beat Brandon Thatch, Brandon Thatch was the talk of the town. When he beat Albert Tumanov, I was like, there's no way was going to lose to this guy. When he beat Juban, he made it look easy. Uh, Cowboy Oliveira overcame a little bit of adversity. Ooh, in that winning, was a so, wild
1: one, yeah. That for yeah. Fact, I was crazy.
0: So here it's like this: if Gunny wants to test the stand-up with Barbarena, like I'm not saying that he can't have success because he's more of a, a low-volume sniper, but the volume and the output—I mean, Barbarena has got him covered in spades there. And if they have like a, a good old-fashioned brawl, I do have to favor Barbarena. But based on Gunny's history, I mean, I think he's gonna come down here and take him down and either control him or eventually find the submission. And I hate to say it because I'm rooting for Barbarena.
1: Uh, yeah, no, I'm, I'm, you know what, Barbarina, it, you can't, like, be disappointed from what you've seen of him as a like. I actually thought there was a point in his career where he was already hitting the decline spot, right? I was like, all right, this guy's just going to, but he'll be on the roster soon. Um, and then he had this resurgence of being these vets. Like, it, it's incredible to me. Here's the problem, though. I mean, he, I don't want to say this disrespectfully, but he's got no business beating Lawler. He just got no business beating Matt Brown. He's not a, he's not on their level, right? But at the same time, he just got him at a, the right time in their careers. Because if you're looking at Robbie Lawler in his prime, he destroys Barbarina. That fight's not even a question, right? Same thing with Matt Brown. So those are awesome wins. And you know what? If I'm Barbarina, I mean, you hang your hat on but they're, they're Just They're phenomenal have on your resume, right? But those guys were strikers past their prime. You know what I mean? He was able to kind of be more durable, have more conditioning. He, he was able to... Outwill will them, so to speak. Now then he steps up, fights a ground fighter, he gets beat. That's the thing. Gunnar Nelson is another one of these aging vets that is on a different level than Barbarina. But if, like you said, if this fight stays standing and it becomes a brawl, Barbarina definitely has a shot. But the line isn't priced because of that. The line is priced because Gunnar Nelson is going to get this fight to the floor. And once he does, I mean, it, the line will look like he's minus 2,000, minus something. You know what I mean? He's just he's going to run circles around. Barbarina on the floor. So Gunnar Nelson is an elite level jujitsu practitioner for sure. He can get the takedowns here. Even like you said, on the feet, he's not a fish out of water. I mean, he's got that kind of karate style. Uh, but again, you don't want him brawling at this point of his career. I think if, if this was a few years ago, I wouldn't even trust Gunnar Nelson on the feet more so, right? But it's not, it's not. He's not in that spot. So yes, Barbarina has a path to victory. He's If he's able to keep this fight on the feet, he's going to have some success and he might steal this fight. But I don't think that's going to be the case. I think we're going to see Gunnar Nelson get him down, take his back, and then submit him. I, I think that's how it's going to play out. So for me, there's actually value in Gunnar Nelson, man. And we're getting some sharp action. The sportsbook, sportsbooks in general got hit on Gunnar Nelson earlier. The line moved up a little bit, right? And now... Once it's peaked, it's coming back down. We've had some sharp action hit the Barbarina side because they're saying, all right, wait a second. What if he can't get the takedown? So I get it. So there is sharp action that's bringing the line back down towards Barbarina, but I think that sharp action is wrong and I'm not hesitating at all. So meaning that if you're looking to put somebody in a parlay, I think Gunnar Nelson is your man this weekend, especially as the price drops because there's value betting him straight. So if you're looking for something to tie into, maybe you know the college basketball tournament start, of course, exciting March Madness time, baby. So if you're looking for somebody... To, you know, maybe throw it apart. Like I I'd recommend putting Gunner in there or, or betting Gunner possibly by submission or inside the distance type of a prop like that. I think he's going to win this fight.
0: So, before we talk about this bout between Jennifer Maya and Casey O'Neill, everyone do me a huge favor, smash the like button. And if you're not already subscribed, please subscribe. Also, follow my man Nick at Fight Odds. Now, I got to give a big plug to this week's sponsor, Daily Fan. MMA. So guys, did you know DraftKings has more than $1 million in prizes this weekend for UFC 286 with contest entries that cost as little as 10 cents? There's no reason not to compete if you like to gamble on mixed martial arts. And if you need some friendly advice to help you find an edge against the competition, you know, you can always get that at dailyfanmma.com. That's right. We're back with another sponsorship from Brett Apley And Daily Fan MMA was giving out a special 20% off a monthly subscription for half the battle listeners only. When you go to dailyfanmma.com slash BFP. And use the promo code BFP286. Now, I know a lot of you signed up for that free trial during UFC 285. And shout out to my man, my man, Kev, who used that trial. And he won himself a pair of free Leon Edwards signed gloves. And there's no reason why one of you can't be the next big winner. So, guys, DailyFanMMA.com has DraftKings analysis for every fight on the slate, premium podcast projections, rankings, betting content, and more. Plus, you can get access to the lineup optimizer, which can spit out up to 300 DraftKings lineups at the click of a button. And if you're looking for a a great free MMA community discord, they have that, too. With more than 600 members, it's truly a great place to hang out if you just want to sweat some fights with people like you. So I'll post that Discord link in the description below. And again, make sure you guys check out DailyFanMMA.com BFP. Use that promo code BFP286 for 20% off your first month of content. And personally, I, I cannot vouch enough for Brett Apley and what he's doing in the in the DraftKings community. Absolutely as sharp as they come. And he's the kind of guy I've known a long time. And me and him can talk fights. And we're both so stubborn in our process. We can't talk each other off the sides, but we can appreciate, you know, each other's uh, line of thinking. Are you familiar with uh, Brett Appley at all, Nick?
1: I do, just from social media and stuff. I know he's doing a great job out there. I mean, I personally haven't done shows with him or anything like that, but down the road, it's a very good possibility.
0: Absolutely, I highly recommend you do. And everybody, take him up on that offer; you will not regret it. Now, Nick, we got to talk about this matchup between Jennifer and Maya, who's twenty nine and one. Taking on the undefeated Scott Casey O'Neill, who is nine and zero. Currently, they got it. Casey O'Neill minus one eighty-five. The comeback on Jennifer Maya is plus one fifty. Now, Nick, I understand that there's a lot of action here coming in on the dog Maya, and also Casey O'Neill's coming off an ACL surgery. So always, you know, begs the question: How's she going to come back? Well, interestingly enough, she actually came back ahead of schedule. So, you know, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. I, I assume it's a good thing that they cleared her early. Um, So, you know, she's been doing her thing. Here's my deal with Maya, and I don't want to sound disrespectful, but I just want to be honest. Um, I think that Maya got a very undeserved title shot. And let me explain what I mean by that. So she got, you know, she lost to Caitlin Chukagan, She wins one fight against Joanne Calderwood. Boom. Here's your title shot. One fight. win streak got you a title shot. And the thing with Jennifer Maya is that she's not going to really, you know, blow you away anywhere, but she's just kind of solid everywhere. And she's just super experienced. And, and if you're not quite on that level, she can go out there and possibly hand out, you know, <clears throat> some kind of vet lesson. But here's my thing, man. I'm not one of these guys that's calling Casey O'Neill. You know the next this the next that i don't think that she's going to be the next champ like a lot of people are touting her to be you know personally i like my aaron blanchfields um, you know that's who i you know even my yan jown and a down away class like those are the people i'm touting as future champs and i do think that there will be a time to fade casey o'neill i'm just not convinced this is the time nick
1: I'm with you. It's tough, though. It is tempting, man, because Maya is a solid fighter, like you said. I mean, she doesn't blow you away with anything particular, but she's just she's fought a lot of good competition. She's physically strong. She's got good staying up. She's not a fish out of water underground. the ground. Has decent, so she's just she's a complete fighter. And she again, with the level of competition she's faced coming off of a very solid win in her last performance as well. So this is a good spot for her to come in here and play spoiler. I, I agree with you. Casey O'Neill. we all want her to be the part. We all want her to be the next title contender, so to speak, right? Because she's just got that kind of, she's got the it factor, so to speak, right? Like meaning she's an attractive lady and at the same time. So a lot of fans are just, you know, look, it is what it is with a lot of these women that can, can deliver, meaning that when they go out there and perform well, and they have that attractiveness to them, I mean, the marketing's up through the roof, right? So Casey O'Neill fits that part. I mean, I think the fans can easily get behind her and, and support her and want her to do well. But- the skill level, I don't think quite yet has caught up to all that, meaning that I don't think she's a legit title contender. What we've seen, she's just missing a little bit. Again, maybe it's that experience to get her over the hump, but she's not, I don't know, She she's just not to that level I want to see yet to buy into all the hype, right? And I think this is a good test for her. So I like the matchmaking here from the UFC because this is not going to be an easy fight. I think it's going to go back and forth. I mean, she's not going to be able to dominate Maya on the feet. She's not going to be able to dominate her on the ground either. So this will be competitive. So I understand the dog or pass situation. I agree. I think Casey O'Neal does enough to appoint Maya. It probably went on the scorecards here. So I do think she wins, but I wouldn't lay the chalk. I do think it's a dog or pass situation. So for me right now, personally, I'm staying away from this one.
0: Yeah, I mean it's a pass altogether for me. I don't see the value on, on O'Neal, but the reason why a pure pick I'm gonna go with her is because, you know She might not be the most spectacular, but but she tries hard in there and that effort will will take you a long way. I mean, you look at her last fight. I don't know how it was a split decision, but I mean, Nick, she went out there and she threw 395 strikes like those are the kind of numbers that make me smile. Like you guys know how I've been talking about Jamal Hill since day one, because you don't see, you know, guys at 205 putting up the numbers of of little guys. Well, Casey O'Neill puts up the numbers of little guys. So I like that. Um, it's just coming off the ACL surgery. This is a step up in competition, so I'm going to sit back and observe. But and also, I don't think there's any value on the line. But my pure pick will be Casey O'Neill by decision.
1: Yeah, I like it, and I hope she performs good, man. I hope she comes out here and. Clearly wins this fight, so we do think okay, that was a quality, quality win, right? The modafari win was good, and, and that's the thing. Look, modafari floats under the radar, she's not an easy out for people that just got to look at her, and think, Oh, I mean, whatever. modafari's is a legend in the sport for a reason, man. She's not an easy out, so that was a solid win, better win than pre- people probably realize in that spot. But if she gets a W over Maya right now at this point, she's definitely on her way. So I hope she does it impressively.
0: Now, kicking off the main card, this is going to be a super interesting fight, Nick, in the middleweight division. We got former title challenger Marvin Vittori. He's 18 and 5. Taking on Roman Dolize, who's 12 and 1. And currently they got it. Marvin Vittori minus 270. The comeback on Roman Dolize is plus 230. So here's where I'm kind of like, you know, I'm not planning my flag on Dolize, but I'm curious if he's a live dog here. And I understand the reasoning that people are taking uh Vittori here, similar reasons to taking Usman over Edwards. You know, the volume difference I- I- is quite substantial here. And Marvin Vittori holds the record for second most strikes landed in a light heavyweight fight. You know, again, remember when Paulo Costa pulled that stunt? They had him. They first, uh, they put it at Franklin, weight at 195. You know, my boy Rich Franklin. And then Paulo was like, nah, let's go to 205. So they went to 205. And Marvin put up some insane numbers in that fight. Here's here, here's my thing, though, man. Like, I think, and and I know this is going to sound super disrespectful, but I'm trying not to. I'm just trying to be honest. I think that Marvin Vittori being a top five guy speaks more to how shallow middleweight is than to how good Marvin Vittori truly is. Because I don't see, you know, when I think of top five guys, I, you know, you look up a weight class at 205, Jamal Hill, ankle Live, Jiri, like, like, Rakic. It's like, oh, my God, like, all these guys on any given night could win a belt. Whereas here at middleweight, like, I don't see Marvin Vittori ever winning a belt. And I just think that he's kind of gotten away with durability and toughness and output, which are three amazing qualities to have. But I see him being hittable, man. I, I, I see him being beatable. And the thing about this guy, Romando Lidze, is, you know, he came into the UFC. He was a little bit hit or miss. And then after, so he took his first L to Trevin Giles. You know how I always talk about it. No one's exempt from that first L. It doesn't matter who you are, unless your name is John Jones or Habib. But if they stick around long enough, they'd take their first Ls too. But so he has that fight with Giles in 2021. Three months later, he comes back against Steropoli, Gets gets the decision. But then he, so that was June, 2021. He doesn't come back until June, 2022. He takes a full year off. And he's just come back looking like a marauder. He's just come back looking like a brand new man. I mean, like, I know dudes have beat Kyle Dacus before, but like, who, who's broken Kyle Dacus's face like that? I know that guys have caught Phil Haas before, but usually Phil Haas is dominating the fight before he gets caught. Like, like in the Julian Marquez fight, Phil Haas was mopping him, got caught. In the Chris Curtis fight, Phil Haas was outstriking him, got caught. The Dolize fight, I mean, Dolize just is kind of unique. I mean, the guy pulls guard and then he's rocking you off his back, then he's going for a heel hooks and blowing your knee out. Then they get back up to the feet and he one punch knocks you out. And it's easy to be like, Oh, but that was a quote unquote meme finish. Okay, next fight against Jack Hermanson. Like, who have you ever seen like calf slice Jack oh, Hermanson yeah. and then pound him out? So when I have multiple examples of him getting away with these unique things. It's hard for me to call it a fluke. And while I'm not sitting here looking you in the eye with a straight face and saying that he's going to do something like that to Vittori, I just look back at Vittori is very hittable. Vittori's kind of on the slower side. Vittori's already kind of over the hill in the sense that, look, I know he's still in his 20s, but he's already had his two Adesanya fights. He already had his title shot. He already had his number one contender with Whitaker. Like, so back to my original point, I think him being top five only speaks to – how shallow middleweight is than it does to him actually being that caliber. um And I say that with as much respect as possible. So I'm not getting behind this minus 300 here personally.
1: Here's the thing with me I agree with what you said, and it's been impressive for Elise's performances. You're right, man. And I mean, dude, that capsulation was so nasty. I had Hermanson in that fight. So he just, I was like, and we were doing okay. It looked like, you know, I mean, Hermanson was in a good spot. And then that happened. I was like, holy cow. I'm not shocked by it either. I mean, on the ground, this guy with his leg locks, with his knee bars, with his positioning, with his technique, He, and then on top of it, look how much power he's got too. So technique and power (laughs) – in a case like that is dangerous as heck. But here's my problem. I, he does have the power on the feet for sure. He's improving in that area. But Vittori should be able to, if, if he fights smart, he should be able to kind of make this an easy fight. Keep this fight on the feet and be able to outpoint Delizzi here and not get knocked out. I think that's his path. And I think it's very simple for him. I, not as easy as I'm making it sound, I guess. But I, I can clearly see him just fighting safe, fighting smart, and making this a 30-27 easy type of decision here. Um, and I think that's what I expect. Now, if it hits the floor, though, holy crap! I mean, this could change quick, even though Vittori's not a fish on the uh, out of the water on the ground, whatnot. I still think there's a level, and Delizia has proven that even. I mean, Hermance is not an easy guy, he's got such a good ground game in his own right to get caught up in something like that. That tells you, Delici on the ground is definitely a beast, and again, he's improving his striking. So, I, I get it, he's on the rise. He's getting there, but he's not quite there yet. And I do agree with what you said, though. I mean, Vittori being in like a top five middleweight says a lot for the middleweight division. You're absolutely right there. Um, it does need to get a little bit deeper. For me, it's a surprise because the light heavyweight division historically was a little bit, uh, you know, we on the weaker side. If you looked at the two weight classes, even though there's been some dominant champions like Anderson Silver and whatnot, there was still a lot of life in the middleweight division. Now you're seeing, like you said, light heavyweight division is actually – pretty respectable and the middleweight division did get a little bit more thin. So it's interesting to see how this plays out. Of course, for the rankings and everything else, Delizzi getting this upset win and just kind of elevating to another spot makes it intriguing for sure. But I just don't think he's going to get there. So for me, I'm not going to take the bait on Delizzi. I know he's going to be a very popular underdog for the MMA bettors out there and betting community, and, and they might have a shot at getting it, but I'm not going to be sold out. I get, for me, it's another spot where if the line keeps dropping, which it will, because we are starting to see some action on Delizzi, um, uh, so it's going to drop a little bit. Then it's a, he's another kind of parlay spot for me, Vittori. Something small, something fun, more more so. But I would go Vittori over delete here. I just don't. I'm not going to bite on the dog money here.
0: You see any sharp action on delete
1: Yeah, a little bit. I mean, but nothing overwhelming yet. But there is more sharp actually coming in trying to take that dog right now. So, and, and I'm expecting. You know, and I think there will be more of the trickles kind of coming in there. Now, again, I don't know if it's going to be a max bet type of situation where we're taking 30, 40,000, and then, you know, he gets popped with a max bet, anything like that. But I do expect some decent action to keep coming in that way and sharper side.
0: But see, like, we're going to talk about this Hadley fight coming up, and, you know, I see almost no threat from Malcolm Gordon whatsoever, whereas, like, I do, I do see a threat from Roman and That's why I'd be more tempted to parlay Hadley than I would Vittori.
1: Yeah, I mean, Hadley should get that W tier as well. I guess I, the only thing with Gordon, man, what if he does get top position, is able to avoid the subs there too, right? A little bit. Because I think Gordon's wrestling is a little bit underrated, so sort to of speak. But And Hadley coming in with all the hype, we'll get that to him in a second. But I do think Hadley wins as well. And I have him in on UFC on the line, actually Hadley's in one of my parlays. So I, I do agree with you there.
0: So like on principle, I, I always like the guy that can double up the other guy on strike. So, you know, it's kind of back to like the main event talk, but yeah. Marvin Vittori, numbers-wise, he's put up drastically better numbers than Roman DeLizze. It's just more so certain sequences I've seen, whether it's that that second round against uh, Paulo Costa. Paulo you know, landed a nice head kick, wobbled him a little bit, just wasn't quite able to capitalize. I, I, ju- I just see openings for things here for DeLizze. That's why I can't personally lay the chalk on Vittori. And I'm, I'm not sitting here, you know, confident or anything. Um, I was more confident on Josh Friend last week against Dumas. But here, just a guy as dangerous as Dolize, who's got the momentum he does, I, I might be tempted on that one unit shot.
1: Yeah, I don't blame you. Like I said, I, I mean, a lot of people are going to be going that route and his improvements. So maybe he comes in and, dude, if he comes in here, it pulls off the win. It gets another quality win. You start looking at his resume. I mean, wow. It will be impressive for sure because he is starting to really get those signature type of performances in those ones. Again, I mean, dating back, just to look at his last fight. Hermanson was one of the people I think that, you know, working his way up towards the title shot and derailing that train right there. So if he does it again with Vittori, I, I like to kind of see it in a way. I wouldn't mind it. Now, New next Blood up is always good.
0: Yes, sir. Now, next up in the featherweight division, we got a matchup between Jack Shore. He's 16 and one, taking on Makwan Amirkani, who's 17 and eight. Currently they got it. Jack sure. Holy shit, man. Minus 550 <laughs> to come back on Amir Connie's plus 390. So I mean, we kind of know the deal here. I think that everyone's probably explained it the exact same way. Like Jack, like, let's just survive these first five minutes. And I don't know what the deal is with Macron. He's always had this kind of like health issue where it like it's not even about him not running his miles or not putting in his cardio work. Just for whatever reason, his body cannot sustain a fast pace, you know, past the first round. So he automatically slows down. So he's got to come in here and submit Jack Shore in that first round. And I don't see Jack Shore, you know, just, you know, kind of like Grundy, just shooting a, a, a sloppy shot that's not timed well, that's not even set up, and just give him your neck. I think Jack Shore might even let, let let's defend some takedowns. Let's even let's get taken down and survive. Like let's make this guy work for every single position. And by round two, he's going to be huffing and puffing. That's where you take over. And that's probably why he's lying exactly where he is in this spot. So no value for me, but pure pick uh, Jack Shore.
1: Same thing here. I mean, you know, it, you might as well just bet a prop inside the distance or, you know, by submission, like you said, if you're going to bet Amir Khani, because that's way he's going to get it done. He's certainly not going to win the scorecards unless he takes round one. And then somehow the judges butcher round two, if he has enough left in the tank. But I doubt that I, again, Jack Shore Coming off of you know a disappointing loss for him too in a way, even though Simone is man, I'm not surprised by that. I was glad Simone got the win. I, w- I was thinking he wasn't quite ready for that spot, and again, Simone's was just kind of flying. Under the radar, there overall, still, which is crazy. But so that's not a bad loss to Jack Shore. He needs the rebound though and get back on track here. So I do think this is a good spot for him. And yes, you're seeing we're going to kind of keep on floating this line up a little bit because the parlays are coming in on Jack Shore. He's going to be, I mean, these chalky favorites are going to get partly left and right. So when you start seeing parlay accumulation building up a little bit, you got to kind of just float the line up a little bit. And that's what's going on. There hasn't been sharp action coming in crazy here either.
0: But let me get this straight. So you're going to raise jack shore's price but i don't think you're gonna raise Vittori's price
1: no 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 because Vittori price we are going to see more you know D- delicia money coming in here a little bit and we're not going to see even though we will get some plus money on the big price on americani it's not going to be the same situation it won't be as drastic so yeah delicia we have to kind of protect the side a little bit more um again americani side it's more the props we're going to kind of protect in, in that regard we're not going to get yeah. piled on with him you know inside or something like that but yeah so right. basically
0: y'all feel no threat by uh amir khani whatsoever
1: i mean you explained it right and I'm, i mean most of us are i mean it, you've seen it time and time again so it's like it's it's gonna happen man if he you know he'll do okay in round one and then round two round three he's gonna be a different fighter so yeah it's the narrative but the narrative comes through at times so I, I agree with you
0: someone in the chat says something interesting amir khani round one sub is basically the same price as his money line
1: yeah so i mean if that's the case then obviously you just bet the money line you don't take the round one sub Yeah. And again, books, sometimes will forget to adjust other props. Like when the line moves a certain way, you know, they were not going back in and digging in it and saying, okay, look, the money line moved here. We have to adjust the props to make sense of it. Sometimes they forget and the props get left behind. But again, as betters out there, you guys can take advantage of that stuff usually too. Right. So not necessarily a bad thing.
0: So next up in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Chris Duncan. He's nine and one taking on Omar Morales, who's 11 and three. Currently they got it. Omar Morales -115, Chris Duncan -105. So we'll pick him with a slight lean on, on Morales. You know, honestly, I I moved in on Morales at -110. You know, they're saying 50-50, I'm saying 60-40 Nick. So, you know, I went in there at the pick and price and and I get the concerns, you know, Morales is getting up there in age, but to me, um I think that these fights he's been losing are just really tough stylistic matchups and all those opponents he lost to have something in common. I mean, Giga, JSP and Uroš they're all at least six, six feet, six foot one. And for a striker like Morales, you know, he was just kind of struggling with kind of longer guys. And then in the JSB case, I mean, the guy's just relentless with his takedowns. Duncan is different. You know, he's shorter, which is the kind of guy that Omar Morales will do well against. He's he's an exciting brawler, but he leaves a lot of openings. And just kind of reminds me of, like, Omar Morales' fight with Shane Young. Um, Omar Morales is a guy I've been able to cap really well. I've profited on all his wins, Dong Young Ma. Um, he went in there with Gabriel Benitez, had an honest three-round striking fight with him, and then the Shane Young fight was 30-27. And now, now I'm getting back on board with Omar, you know. As far as the age, I mean, I thought he was pretty competitive in that Urosh fight until he wasn't, right? So yeah, is there a chance Duncan can catch him? I mean, Duncan does hit hard duncan is a dog he's a junkyard dog i mean duncan's the kind of guy you got to put out cold i i really believe it and i think he's going to go for it so you got to give him credit there it's just that you know when you watch his contender series fights um the openings are there to to rock a guy like that and and he chris duncan kind of reminds me of a less durable steven ocho peterson right like he might be a little bit faster than peterson but i think he's a little bit less durable just kind of like You know it's it's disrespectful to call him a punching bag but he's kind of a punching bag man but he's an exciting punching bag and he's going to give omar the fight he wants so unless omar is just completely shot then duncan might be live here but i think omar is you know just more technically precise and it's just the, the more advanced striker here the cleaner guy and historically speaking i love him in fights like this like i said the shane young fight just reminds me of that a little bit so, you know, hopefully Omar's not too far over the hill. I, I just haven't really seen that decline, man. I just saw him go up there against bad matchups. But at the end of the day, the number's the most important thing. They're saying 50-50. I'm saying 60-40. Let's see if I'm right. So I played Omar to win two
1: units. You know what? I agree with you. I'm leaning that way as well. I haven't pulled the trigger on it myself yet because I do hesitate a little bit because, it, you know, like you said, he's getting up there in age. Duncan does have a lot of power. And and that's my hesitation here because, you, like you said, Duncan is a dog, man. I mean, the problem with Duncan is and me not supporting him. And if he's so hittable, we see that time and time again. He's got he has to get himself. He has to survive in those spots, which I don't like. Don't get put in those spots, right? Get that that defense needs to get a little bit tighter for sure. Uh, but again, he has that heart and that willpower that he doesn't want to you know go down or whatnot. So he's going to fight till the end. So that's what makes him dangerous here. But I do agree the line's a little bit off. I think Morales is just a level above him. So if he doesn't get caught, he doesn't get knocked out by Duncan, he'll win on the scorecards or possibly find that finish. Because Morales, he can get Duncan out of there too. I mean, there's no question about that. So I do think at a minus 110 type of price, you got to go with Morales. So I agree with you there. I don't think it's going to be a letdown type of fight or snoozer. This fight will be another one of those. We were talking about the Gaethje fight earlier, right? I think this is going to be one of those fights. as fireworks too. There's no doubt about it. These guys are going to be standing bang and and somebody's going to sleep and it's probably going to be Duncan unless we see a crazy zombie type of performance. And he somehow makes the scorecards and, you know, survives or whatnot. But I do think it's probably Morales getting him out of there.
0: Now, next up also in the lightweight division, we got a matchup between Sam Patterson. He's 10, one, and one representing the UK taking on Yanal Ashmoz who's six and O from Israel currently they got it. Sam Patterson, minus 275. The comeback on Yanel Ashmos is plus 225. So, you know, historically speaking, um, the Israeli fighters, like, their regional scene is just not the best. Um, it's very underdeveloped, but I gotta give this guy a lot of credit because he got outside his comfort zone and his last three fights, he's fought on legit American regional scenes, whether we're talking about Ring of Combat, whether we're talking about CFFC, whether we're talking about PFL Challenger. So, like, He did what Natan Levy did, left Israel, got outside his comfort zone, and is getting the proper looks that you have to get if you want any chance of surviving in the UFC. Because you remember um, Noad Lahat back in the day just didn't pan out, right? Um, But now, you know, these guys like Natan Levy, and maybe this guy can be something down the line. It's just he's very inexperienced. Even though he's, you know, I, I respect the fact that you're in the States now. You've had three, you know, good regional fights. Here in Sam Patterson, now, when I watched Sam Patterson's um, contender series fight, I was thinking to myself, man, this guy is a knockout waiting to happen. You know, he's six foot three, fights with a tall man defense. defense, Um, He's a knockout waiting to happen. I just don't think Yanal is the guy to expose that. Now. The thing with Sam is, you know, you know, he's long, he's range, he doesn't move his head, but he can put the volume on guys. And then also you shoot a sloppy takedown on a guy like that. And he's snatching up next, man. He's got those long man chokes, those power guillotines. I mean, for, whether it's the darsh, whether it's the anaconda, whether he takes your back rear naked choke, like this guy's got nasty submissions. And I think he's a little bit of a little bit ahead of you right now. Um, like, Yanal is kind of like a strong bull, you know, kind of neutralizing grappler. But, man, they list him at 5'9". Dude, I think he's 5'6". And I think he's going to look tiny against Patterson. And unless he can just neutralize him, I think he's going to get picked apart at range. And I think he might even get submitted, too. So there's going to come a time to fade Sam Patterson. I just don't think Saturday night's the time. So I got to go with Sam here.
1: I agree. And I was looking for the Ajman side before I I started, you know, digging into it. I'm thinking, all right, maybe we have a, a live one here, live dog here, right? Because I'm not... Overly impressed with Sam Patterson either, like you said. I mean, if you look at him, he has that tall man defense and it bothers you because offensively he's so skilled with that length. And you're right, those chokes are sick, man. You can get – I don't care how good you are defensively. He starts – he gets sinking on you so fast and you're done. I mean, once he he starts locking it up, there's nothing much you can do, right? So he is, I think, going to be able to outpoint – Ashma's on the feet, then he's going to also be able to, like I said, the whole time, the threat's going to be there. If, if he's going to try, if you're going to try to wrestle with him, it's, it's probably not going to work out too good for him either. So I, I don't trust Sam Patterson overall, like all that much, but in this spot, I do think that he's just a level above and he's probably going to get the finish here. So I like Patterson as well. Um, but again, it's, it's tough to kind of bet this straight. There's a little bit of wiggle room. I think maybe throw him in a parlay if he's under minus 300 or so, which he is, so maybe there's that a little bit, if you're looking for another guy to parlay, but it's just a difficult spot to, to come in here and just say, okay, I have a, a lot of confidence in Patterson right now. Because, again, with Ashmoz, at, at the same time, he's one of these fighters that's going to continue to improve. Even though you just watched him on film, like a lot of times these guys step into the octagon and they're even better. Like they do kind of, you know, take those steps a little bit bigger than you anticipate. So maybe we see that and it's a better performance than we're expecting. So that's where uh, there's a lot of hesitation. Uh, again, and a lot of it's based on the chalky price a little bit too. So for me, I am going to say Patterson, though. I think he wins it.
0: No, i mean it's a valid point i always say these guys with 10 or less pro fights you're going to be seeing these big leaps fight by fight so he could come out here looking like a brand new man right. to, to to your credit so i feel what you're saying there now next up in the flyweight division we got muhammad mokayev he's eight and zero, welcoming jafel filio who's 14 and two to the octagon currently they got it mokayev minus 800 the comeback on filios plus 550. look I think Filio is going to win some UFC fights, man. I mean, he already beat uh, that kid, Vinicius Salvador, who got signed off contender series. Uh, Filio trains out of Nova Yao black belt in jiu-jitsu. Um, I didn't think he was looking that great on, on his contender series fight, but that knockout was beautiful. I mean, that knockout was nasty. And I think he's going to win some UFC fights, just, just not Saturday night. I mean, Mokayev, we are dealing with a young phenom. I mean, in his second UFC fight, Uh, he already set the record for the most takedowns landed in a flyweight bout. And I think the fight prior to that against Cody, it was one of the top five fastest finishes in in flyweight history. So this guy's coming out here and breaking records, man, and people give him heat for his Malcolm Gordon fight. Like, listen, man, I get that he was like a minus minus a 1,000 favorite and it wasn't a first-round stoppage, but when you look at the numbers in that fight, I mean, he outstruck him 119 to 38. He On the takedowns, it was 6 to 1. I mean, I... It was domination as far as I'm concerned. Like, just because he had a bad moment or two against an experienced guy, like when you're only 23, like, you cut him a little slack, man. So, I think the price tag's warranted. I think he set some more takedown records here, and there will be a time to fade him, just not Saturday night. So, yeah, I I got the big favorite here.
1: I agree with you. We got some sharp action that hit the minus 800, dude. Like, it's we're minus 900 in Vegas now, right? So, they didn't hesitate to lay Moki off in this spot. And Filio, like you said, I think he is going to win some fights in the UFC. He's a well-rounded fighter. He's got the finishing ability. He's a nice test. I mean, you know, he likes to grind people out as well. So he's going to be in here and making things uncomfortable for Mokia. But I do think, like you said, I mean, he, everything kind of seems – the part he's coming in here i thought he was overhyped coming into, into his ufc debut and a lot of people were speculating that he's gonna, not going to pan out but man he's delivered and another guy young fighter that's getting better and getting that experience and you like to see the way he's kind of trending in the right direction so i, I think philo is going to be a little bit too slow for him to be honest with you i think mocha is going to have, have that speed advantage be able to control him on the ground and, and maybe even get a finish there as well so i do like him the price is just ridiculous you can't bet this fight just stay away from it watching and hope that uh, the rise of mokef kind of continues, so to speak. But for me, I'm staying away from it.
0: Yeah, and I mean, to your credit, I do think, you know, Filio, you know, tendency to flop to his back a little bit, tendency to kind of get outpaced. I think that'll be the difference here. Now, next up in the featherweight division, this is a battle between undefeated prospects. We got Lerone Murphy, who's 11-0-1, taking on Gabriel Santos, who was 10-0. And currently, they got it. Lerone Murphy minus 185. The comeback on Gabriel Santos is plus 150. In some spots, uh, plus 160. Now, Nick, um, look, we already know about Lerone. He's been tested from the jump in the UFC. He's fought formidable competition the entire time, kind of like a mini Leon Edwards. You know, he's a sharpshooter, a little bit on the lower output side, but when he strikes, he makes a count. Um, improving grappling. You know, he's really good at scrambling back up to his feet. So I like what I see with him. Um, Obviously, there's some outside the cage stuff. He got hit by a car on his bike. We had a, he suffered a head injury, so I mean, I hope he comes back the same. You just never know. But let me tell you what, man. Gabriel Santos, this is not just some random 10 and 0 guy making his UFC debut that they just found. You know, sometimes you know these short notice guys. It's like where'd they find this guy? This ain't no Chris Moutinho, man. This guy right here has been a champion in every organization he's fought in, and that's exactly what you want. From a regional prospect making their ufc debut like he reached the highest level of all these other organizations there's nowhere to go but the ufc and you know a lot of people refer to his fight two fights ago against marcio barboza in lfa where holy cow like man like you know you, you all saw gabriel santos get <laughs> get rocked he got dropped he was in some really bad spots but you got to understand it's not like he was getting rocked all over the place by some random bum like marcio Barbosa is a 13 and 1 stud prospect so the point i'm trying to make here is that this dude gabriel's been tested i mean he beat uh the kid that just beat to and look gabriel was only six and zero at the time elvis Brennan was 11 and two i mean that that's that's more than twice the experience and he went out there and outpaced him obviously the marcio Barbosa fight it's on fight pass you all have to see it just an incredible fight and i even tweeted when that happened sign gabriel santos right now he had a subsequent fight against a 12 and 2 guy i mean beautiful body work you know he looked like a champ out there so here i mean i think this is an honest fight my only issue is you know two day notice like i know i know this is not the kind of guy that's you know sitting on the couch i'm sure he's in the gym year round but as you've seen in some recent examples you can be in the gym year round, but it's, there's one thing, you know, being in shape and being in fight shape and taking it on two day notice flying across the pond. Now this is the kind of badass that could possibly overcome those kind of, you know, intangibles and still come out here and win. I, I just kind of slightly lean towards Murphy. Um, but slightly lean, you know, I don't see value at the odds here. Um, So I'm passing, man. Like, I would not feel comfortable going to sleep at night knowing I had a bet against Gabriel Santos with the kind of dog that he is, the kind of pace he pushes, and the kind of experience he has coming into the UFC, Nick.
1: I agree with you, man. I mean, Santos is legit. It's so fun. Like you said, look, I urge you guys, get on Fight Pass and check out the fights that Dan was just talking about. I mean, it it was such a fun fight to watch, and you see the dog in him, like you said, man, and then his ability to come back and actually win that fight and finish. It was just beautiful. So I love Santos. When this fight first got lined, and and I looked at the short price because the the market was already out there whatever. there was numbers flowing around before... I adjusted and made my price or whatnot, right? So I looked, I was like, wow, wow, this fight, there's no respect for Murphy here. This kid must be pretty good. I wasn't as familiar with uh, Santos, right? Had to go back and look at his LFA fights or whatnot too. And then, you know, historically from that at the beginning. So at at first I was like, who's this guy again? Why is he getting so much respect? And then after I dug through the footage and went through everything, I was like, holy cow, that's why. And it makes a lot of sense because this kid – I mean, it's a shame that he's coming in going against Murphy at this short notice because this kid could go on a run, man, a legit run. I mean, he is definitely everything that you want to see. Like you said, the prospect, he's getting tested. He, he's got such a well-rounded game, man. I mean, he's, he's just complete. He's, he's, he just seems a part everywhere. So he's a threat and he's going to test Murphy. He's going to go for those takedowns. You know, Murphy, the good thing about Murphy is he continues to improve as well. He's been tested already. You know, like you said, the UFC hasn't done him any favors with the level of competition they put him up against. So This fight is just phenomenal. I mean, it's a shame that somebody's got to lose that that O, right? But I do think Murphy's going to be a little bit too much for him. I think he's going to be able to stuff those takedowns. His ground awareness and his ground defense has gotten to the point where I I trusted him a little bit more than I ever have before. He needed to keep on getting that a little bit better. And on the feet, of course, he's got that power. He's not going to be a fish out of water at all. Um, And then if he gets top position, you've seen the type of ground and pound this guy can deliver, man. So Murphy's legit. I just think it's a little bit too soon. Like you said, if, if Sancho's had a full camp, And let me say this, I'm going to kind of contradict myself a little bit. I don't think Santos is going to gas out early in this fight. I think he's going to be game. I think that we could see this fight go all three rounds. Santos is going to be tired, but he'll go three, even on short notice. I don't think we have to worry about Santos in that regard. Now, do I wish he had a full tank of gas and a full camp? Of course, because then I think he would perform even better. But I still think he's going to be game enough in this fight. And he's just one of those guys, like you said, he's, he just seems like the, he's always in the gym. He's a sponge when it comes to absorbing everything, too. So Santos, I, I can't tout him enough, so to speak. So I love this fight. Great matchmaking from the UFC. But I agree with you. I opened the line a little bit higher. Once the market was at like 155, 160, I, I went up a little bit higher with the Murphy side. And then we did get hit on that side. So now we're like minus 185, minus 190 out there on uh, on the Murphy side. So they agree with my kind of shade towards the Murphy end. And I think it's right but it's going to be a phenomenal fight.
0: And one thing we can agree on bright skies for Leroy Murphy and Gabriel Santos. I'm sorry. Bright skies for both these gentlemen oh, going forward.
1: There's no question about it. You're absolutely right. But like I said, that's why I kind of feel bad. that This is freaking, you know what I mean? That these guys got to batch up this early because I think they could have like met maybe two or three fights from now, you know what I mean? Either way, like, right. you know, to projecting towards the touch but you're right. Absolutely. These are two phenomenal fighters.
0: So next up in the middleweight division, this is very interesting, Nick. We got Christian Leroy Duncan, the Cage Warriors champ. He's 7-0, making his UFC de- debut, taking on Dushko Todorovic, who's 12-3. and Currently, they got it Christian Leroy Duncan, minus 225. The comeback on Dusko Todorovic is plus 185. So, Nick, I mean, I'm going to tell you what I think, but I want to hear what you think first. So sure. wh- 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 is Christian the goods or is he overhyped? Like, what do you think?
1: I can understand why people might think he's overhyped, but he's the goods, dude. This guy is legit. And he's, he's another one of these guys. that's only going to continue to get better. I, I like the, the push that he's getting. Meaning, I like the level of competition he's faced already. It hasn't been too crazy, but at the same time, the cage warriors organization is one of the best out there. I mean, we know that they've been a feeder system for the UFC a long time, and rightfully so when, when you're a cage warriors champion, you could come in and perform and deliver in the UFC right away. And this is exactly what you got with Christian uh, Leroy Duncan. Now I, this guy I mean, again, he's another one of these fighters that's improving his overall game. Obviously, he's got, I think, a little bit of a more technical striking advantage here. Todorovic is a good striker, and he's going to, obviously, he's going to come into this fight not only looking to strike, Todorovic is going to try to wrestle here. I mean, there's no question about that. So that's what I think, if, if Duncan loses this fight, it's because Todorovich is going to try to take his back, try to get those takedowns, try to stall him out a little bit more so than anything else. But in space, even though Todorovich is dangerous, I still think, Leroy Duncan is a little bit more technical. I think he's a little bit more. I want to say he shows us a little bit more durability, durability even though he's, you know, he, obviously he's been in some fights where he's got caught a little bit here as well. But I do trust. I think his defense better. I think he's the more technical striker. I think his improvement. He's just trending in the right direction. He's coming in here. Of course, it's in the O2 arena, so he's going to be comfortable in that kind of atmosphere as well. This is a really good spot. Not an easy debut for him, but a debut that he can win and then put himself on the map like he he's here. And again, another cage Warriors champion historically that's done really well in the UFC. I think this guy is the goods man. So I, I do expect him to get better. So this might be a close fight, competitive fight. I think he wins it. And then I expect him, just like I said, every time we see him in the octagon to just make those improvements and start climbing the ranks.
0: Yeah, on one hand, he's had... Only seven pro fights, and he's got an extensive amateur career, and he's only like 27, so you're going to be seeing big leaps. So here's kind of my analysis on him. Firstly, he's very, very athletic, um, like super athletic. But when I see his striking, so obviously the finishes are beautiful, the flying knees, the spins, this and that. But, man, I see a lot more fainting than I see actual strikes you know, uh, being let go. So like when I'm watching him fight, I'm like, damn, he looks beautiful, fainting. His footwork's awesome. He's badass. But I, I just don't see enough action until his until he gets those finishes. So I kind of see him being a little bit more on the lower output side. Um, but he will have some spectacular knockouts along the way. My issue with him is he's got that, you know that UK wrestling, man. And I know UK wrestling has come a long way. I mean, you look at Leon Edwards and you know, he can wrestle, he can take down Americans like Kamaru Usman. But I think Christian Leroy has got that kind of stereotypical, uh, you know, UK wrestling where, you know, he can be taken down. He can be held down. And we know for a fact, Dusko Todorovic, I mean, when he pounds people out, like I know the three guys he pounded out in the UFC are, are no longer with the company. But man, I mean, he gets brutal when he gets on top of these guys. It's just, we know the deal standing, you know, back to the tall man defense. Dushko is, and it's not even about tall man defense with Dushko. It's more about, he's one of these guys that fights with his hands down and is overly confident in his head movement um, instead of keeping his hands up. That's just, that's always been his thing. And he's paid for it a few times as a result. And he may pay for it here as well. Um, But, I'm still kind of at that show me stage with, with, with Leroy, like, like show me, like I'm not as confident on Dushko as I was on Josh Frem last week. Um, because I think Duncan is, is far more talented than Duma, but I'm still kind of at that show me like, like, like stage. I still think that there's a lot of areas on the mat that can be exposed and, Dushko's a smart guy so hopefully he comes out here and can expose them but there's also that he might be able to take them down they get back up to the feet and then he gets knocked out right so you know I, I can't stamp my flag but i do see the path to victory and at plus 185 i might be willing to roll the dice so
1: i i get it and i've seen like some decent opinion. My boy Yanni the Greek is also on the Todorovich side as well. Like he he likes that. He sees it. So there is some sharp opinion that coming in that way, thinking that maybe it's a little bit too much, too fast for Duncan. I just think he's going to deliver, man. I think we're going to see a really good performance. I mean, again, it's not going to be an easy fight for him for sure. So I think it will be competitive and he's going to be put in spots at times where, you know, he's a little uncomfortable and might not, be a smooth worm, but he's going to get it done i, I do believe he is going to win this fight if, like i said if it does hit the scorecards i think he could win that way too and i think like you said the output is is definitely something to watch because if he's going to be hesitant um especially at this level it's a different game so we'll see if that, hopefully that's not the case but i do think I, I like what i see in him and i think he's going to continue to make the climb so for me it's duncan but again i can understand the dog and pass situation
0: let me say this uh dushko has knocked out a very funky unorthodox striker before named michelle pereira back in the day so,
1: yeah, yeah, that's right. I mean, it's yeah, if you look back historically, it's on his resume, that's pretty impressive. I mean, but, especially with what Pereira has done in the UFC this far. So. But
0: if I'm picking Dushko here, I do not want you to bang with this guy, yeah. I want you to take him down right away, hold him down, and pound him out. Because you know, I'm not saying Dushko can't have success standing, I'm just saying I, I know the liability, I know he's not going to change, he's still going to be relying on his head movement. Like, that's just dushko you just got to accept it you know what i mean so it's one of those where you can't go too big because when dushko gets knocked out you know i can't blame anyone but myself for betting that but i really have a, a suspicion that this this wrestling of duncan needs a lot a lot of work at the ufc level so we'll see
1: From the glimpses, again, it's a different level. From from the glimpses I've seen, I think, you know, the technique, everything, the get-ups, it's starting to come together for him. So I'm hoping he continues down that path so he keeps keeps on improvement, like you said, because there is definitely a gap when it comes to the UK and and the U.S. type of wrestling, for sure.
0: So, Nick, I know you're a little short on time, so we'll go in a little funky order for these last few because I I do want your thoughts on a few specific ones. So we'll skip Hadley and Gordon for now. We'll come back to it if we have time. But, I mean, I know we both have Hadley there, but – I want to talk about this flyweight fight between Joanne Wood, who's 15 and 8, taking on Luana Carolina, who's 8 and 3. Currently, they got it. Joanne Wood minus uh, 190 to comeback on Luana Carolina's plus 160. And, and Nick, um, let me ask you something. Do you know which record Joanne Wood holds uh, in UFC women's history?
1: Which record she holds in UFC women's history? Hmm. No, I do not off the top of my head. That's a good question.
0: Joanne Wood um has the most first round losses
1: in UFC <laughs> oh, women's shit. history. Really? Um, yeah. Wow, that, that that's a shame, dude, because she's she's too good for that, man. Like, you know what I mean? But but I tell you, I mean, the letdowns are head scratchers at times for her man. But yeah, no, I had no idea that that was the case. Interesting.
0: But you know what else is a head scratcher? If I told you she was 37, would you believe me?
1: No no that's the other thing right she's 37 yeah that's man time flies dude all these fighters like i look at some of these you know even john Jones, everybody getting up there in age it's amazing how fast so yeah uh and she's performing like she's you know as of late she's perform performing that way like she's an aging fighter but i mean not to jump the gun a little bit but personally i think this is a good bounce back spot for her i mean she has to be carolina if she doesn't I think, I mean, we might see her hang up the gloves, right? I mean, it's one of those spots, I think, for her. If she can't win this fight, then maybe she shouldn't be competing anymore. Not to say Carolina's, like, not, you know, an easy out or anything like that. But, I mean, if you're, again, the Joanne Wood that has – was on her way to a title shot, man. I mean, she was this close for a freaking title. She she was lined up for her. But, you know, things didn't happen that way or whatever. And then she lost the fight and lost her title shot. So she definitely – Deserves, I think, to kind of rebound here and get back on track and maybe have a few more fights in her career. So I hope she gets it done. But the confidence level is not there for me. But I do like her. I'm going to pick her to win. I just think it. Carolina could maybe do some damage a little bit. It's and it might be a close fight. But I think Wood across the board is the better mixed martial artist here in every aspect of the game.
0: Yeah, it's just that I don't think she's got a couple more fights. I think win or lose, this is her. I think this is her retirement fight. And you've seen that you know people will lose to. To fighters that they'd normally beat most of the time like even a last week like man 17 seconds away from cashing my Ooh. plus 130 you know some unfortunate things happen but it's just more evidence that like you know when it comes to the retirement like you think Frankie Edgar would have lost to Chris Gutierrez 510 years ago you know what I mean so Good it's way. it's just one of those things that when they get to that point like she's not title challenger uh Joanne Calderwood anymore she's not the one on the climb she's 37 wants to have a kid this and that and it's so easy to be like well i mean her last two fights were the champ alexa grasso and the uncrowned champ Tyler santos but yeah and that's 100 percent factual but like what about before that losing to lauren murphy losing to jennifer M- so it's just to me i just haven't seen yeah. anything positive and the thing with luana i know that she's you know She's young and, and she's still, you know, finding herself and she's coming off a devastating knockout loss, but she's got some things going for her. She does have a Muay Thai background, which I kind of need, you know, if you're fighting Joanne Calderwood and you want to have that stand up fight with her, which I know Luana does because Luana doesn't shoot takedowns. I mean, one way to beat Joanna is to submit her. But if you're going to have success standing, you, I got to know that you can at least put up output. And I have seen in Luana's fights, you know, against Priscilla, she went out there, landed a knockdown. Landed over 100 significant strikes. So I, I do have evidence that she can match the output. Um, it's just about her rising to the occasion. So for me, man, it's a dogger pass situation. Um, I can't be that confident because I know at their best, Joanne is better. But Joanne is not at her best right now. This is not, like I said, this is not the Joanne that was one fight away from a title shot. This is the Joanne that's one fight away from retirement. So there's a big difference in the caliber so it's just about, you know, their levels used to be here. Are we kind of evening it out?
1: For sure. I do so, think they, they, they are a lot more even now than, you know, than they were, like you said, not too long ago. And it's a shame, man. It's, it's just sad to see some of these fighters get to that point. But you're right. it should It's probably going to be more competitive than it should be. And if we see Carolina finishing wood, then we know it's time for her to hang up the gloves, so like if, that, if that's the case. So like I said, I'll be pulling for her though, hopefully, because in, you know, I guess historically – I think she's been just such a good representative for the weight class, for the female divisions and just across the board. I mean, she's definitely a fighter that was fun watching perform. And like I said, that's why I'd like to see her kind of get back on track. If it, Whether this is her last fight or not, I hope she gets the win if it is. So she can ch- just kind of ride off to the sunset with a W or if not, then at least maybe have a couple glimpses of what she used to do and then ride off to the sunset. So I'm interested definitely to see how this plays out.
0: I feel you off principle. I have to go with the dog here, but again at most a one unit shot it wouldn't be
1: yeah anything crazy
0: because i understand at their primes who the better fighter is but i think the better fighter is is washed up at this point and this is the biggest opportunity of carolina's career so if she's recovered mentally from that knockout maybe she can have an honest close striking fight with her so let's see let's see now next up in the lightweight division uh we got jay herbert he's 12 and 4 taking on ludovic klein who's 19 and 4. Currently, they got it. Uh, Ludovic Klein, minus 210. The comeback on Jai Herbert's plus 165. So, man, when Ludovic Klein first came to the UFC, man, and he knocked out Shane Young, we were thinking, like, damn, like who's this guy? He's been a little hit or miss. But I felt like that last performance against Mason Jones was a big step in the right direction. Because I don't know if you remember the kind of regard people held Mason Jones in. People were thinking Mason Jones could be a future top 15 guy. And Ludovic completely shut that down. Now, on one hand, um, you know, we remember the knockdown. We remember, you know, the domination. But when you actually look at the numbers, man, like the striking numbers are still really low for, for ludovic You know, he still only landed 50 significant strikes in that fight. The most he's ever landed in a UFC fight uh, was 60 against uh, Devontae Smith. But if you think that's low, Nick, check this out. Jay Herbert, the most strikes he's ever landed in a three-round fight was his last one against Kyle Nelson, only 36 significant strikes. So if I'm thinking that, you know, Ludovic has the low output. Jay Herbert has super low output and his chin is suspect too. The only thing is that there's kind of a size difference here. I mean, we're talking about what six foot one versus five foot seven, seventy-seven inch reach for 72 inch reach. If Jay Herbert can keep this kid on the outside and not get touched, he does have a path here. But I do think ultimately, whether it's a high kick, whether it's you know some kind of explosive combination. I think that Jay is not going to put enough pressure on Ludovic to kind of gas him out. And I think that, you know, that kind of slow paced kickboxing fight will give Ludovic the openings he needs to either land the harder shots or potentially get the knockout. So I'll side with the favorite here, but I'm not, you know, champing at the bit to lay the minus
1: 210. I am 100 percent with you here. 100 percent, because it's a shame with Herbert, man. I mean, it's that tall man defense. It's that chin offensively though he's he is the part meaning that again out, outside the output a little bit but I think there's a little hesitation now too because he knows like you know what I mean mentally when you're getting that chin check like he has and he's been losing that way or whatnot you're gonna have that in the back of your mind so I think he's he's a little bit more hesitant now than he's ever been but man he's such a good fighter I mean that's what the shame part you know what I mean is about this thing is Herbert I mean a former cage warrior champion again and he's had some brilliant performances throughout his career so this guy could be championship caliber, but again, it's just his defense. It's his chin that's going to kind of let him down. And, and this spot here for Klein, it, it adds up well. Like you said, the length, if he can keep him on the outside and just not point him and pick him apart a little bit, of course, he can win on the cards, but I don't trust his chin. I think it is going to go down. And if Klein could do something right, it's I mean, it's get people out of there as well. We've seen that time and time again. I mean, whether it's his kicks, he's got power in both hands. I mean, he's definitely a knockout artist that can deliver. And when you have a knockout artist that can deliver against a guy that has a suspect chin, kind of tough to trust that, you know, that dog in that spot. So Herbert will look good and maybe winning this fight until he's not. I think that's what happens here. So for me, I do like Klein. It's probably a good spot for him to come in here and get another impressive win.
0: So Nick, I know I got to get you out of here. So before I do, quick pick on Veronica Macedo versus Juliana Miller and quick pick on Hadley versus Gordon.
1: I mean, I got to go with both favorites here, of course. Um, (sighs) Miller, I mean, she's impressive dude. Talk about a dog. Holy crap. Like meaning she's just relentless, right? I mean, this girl, it's been nothing but impressive and she's going to continue to improve, but you know what? Veronica Hardy, I like what I see from her Meaning that. I mean, she's not as bad as everybody thinks, but at this spot, obviously the condition she's definitely a flawed fighter when it comes to what Miller can utilize here and probably get the finish as the fight progresses a little bit. So I do like Miller. I'm not touching the fight though. I'm staying away from it. I mean, Miller minus 400 ish or above, I think is it's fine. Uh, There's nothing that I want to just pounce on at that price that price range, So I'm staying away from that. And then Hadley, of course, over Gordon. I mean, if Hadley loses this fight, dude, holy cow. I mean, with all the hype and everything. So this is a good stylistic matchup for him here, too. So I, I do think both chalk favorites win in this spot.
0: Well, Nick, I want to thank you so much for taking the time to speak with me right here, right now, on Half the Battle. The fans can follow you at Fight Odds, at MMA Odds Breaker. They can watch you on UFC Fight Pass, on UFC On the Line, on The Gambler's Perspective. They can go to Vegas and hit you up at the Circus Sportsbook. Uh, Nick, anything I missed and any last words for the fans?
1: Uh, No. It was a pleasure being on here, and I'm I'm glad like i'm able to do this um i know it's tough especially with a you know conflict with us doing the ufc shows or whatnot but it's always fun to do shows like this so i appreciate the invite keep kicking ass out there man you've been doing a great job it's you know it's guys like this that's why we have you know we're trying to reach out there and grab some of the guys that deserve to be on like the ufc fight pass shows with us gamblers perspective guys like yourself and we're going to keep that show flowing so make sure you tune into ufc fight pass to check us out on those shows and thank you for having me and keep up the great work
0: uh likewise man always a pleasure nick uh, one of the ogs man we always look up to you so thanks again and uh keep kicking ass man
1: no problem enjoy the fights
0: you as well my friend take care so that's uh nick kalikas mma odds breaker he is the man make sure you all check him out so now i just got to talk about these last two fights so next up in the flyweight division we got jake hadley he's nine and one taking on malcolm gordon who 14 and six And currently, they got it. Jake Hadley, minus 400. The comeback on Malcolm Gordon is plus 300. So, guys, you all know, historically speaking, I've been very low on Malcolm Gordon. Um, I think his chin is extremely suspect. I think that he can give up takedowns. I think he can be submitted. It's just that, you know, he is a bit of a physical guy. So sometimes you got to be careful. You know, if you're not quite ready, kind of like that Denny's Bonder guy or kind of like the shitty figgy then I I think, you know, personally, I think those are the only wins Malcolm Gordon would get in the UFC. But, you know, funny, funny, uh, funny story. Like, one of my friends is in the flyweight division. And when he first got to the UFC, you know, basically, like when you first get to the UFC, the most important thing is winning. The most important thing is winning all the time. But like, we wanted to guarantee my boy a win. So like, I gave him a list of fighters, like to, to give to the matchmaker. And like, the top three guys I gave him were, Ronderos, Malcolm Gordon, and JP Bys. Like, and there's a reason behind that. I think that Malcolm Gordon is the guy that you give to prospects to get their confidence up, to get them a highlight real finish. And I think that's exactly what Jake Hadley's gonna do here. Man, I know Jake Hadley had a stumbling block against Nassie Mento, but you gotta understand Nassie Mento is actually like a legit. I don't want to call him a prospect anymore. I wanna say, I mean, the guy's top 15 as far as I'm concerned, Nassi Mento, he, even his two contender series fights, man. Um, the the Piva fight was absolutely insane. Um, actually, did he have another one after that? No, it was the um the fight against the Russian. Um, you know what's funny? I always get Said Nurmagomedov and um and uh, Tagir <laughs> <laughs> mixed up for some reason. I feel like they look very very similar, but man, this dude had a very very serious fight. Uh, Nascimento did with Tagir. I just feel like Nascimento is kind of on, on a different level. And it was important for Jake Hadley to go out there, experience that first L. And the way he bounced back was exactly like, you know, the hype prospect that he was when he got signed on contender series, even got signed on contender series missing weight. That's the kind of regard Dana White held him in. And here I think he's going to be a little bit too physical for Malcolm Gordon. And when it gets down to the nitty gritty, I think he's going to break Gordon. So I don't know if it's going to be a submission. I don't know if it's going to be a knockout. I don't know if it's going to be a decision. But I'm pretty goddamn sure it's going to be a Jake Hadley win. So yeah, uh, I, I got Jake Hadley here to, to dominate Malcolm Gordon. Um, and then last but not least, in the flyweight division, we got Veronica Hardy Macedo. She's six and four, taking on Juliana Miller was three and one. Currently, they got it. Juliana Miller minus five hundred to come back on Macedo plus three sixty. I mean, listen, the thing about it is that like. You know veronica macedo has not looked the best in the ufc but to her credit you know she's only 27 years old and the last time she fought was in 2020 so like i mean she's like been just a kid this whole time and you know ufc debut was against ashley evan smith who wasn't the best but it was you know up at bantamweight um then she fought andrea lee down at flyweight, another you know If you're not in the top 15, Andrea Lee's a tough fight. Then she fought Jillian Robertson, who, if you're not in the top 15, Jillian Robertson is a tough fight. Pollyanna Vienna can be a tough fight at times, too, and Macedo subbed her in the first round. But then the Bea Malecki fight, you know, even though that's a really bad look, losing to Bea, Bea Bea's so much fucking bigger than Macedo. Isn't Bea, like, yeah, she's five foot nine with a 74-inch reach. Like, those are grown man numbers, you know what I'm saying? So here against Juliana Miller i don't think her striking is anything special um i think she's super green it's just that when she gets on top of these chicks she has a bit of that mean streak and that's kind of why people are touting her to you know potentially go far down the line now, i'm not ready to be one of those people yet i need to see a little bit more we're talking about a 3 and one prospect but at least we see you know that kind of that aggressiveness and that kind of when she gets on top of these chicks uh Remember the way people used to regard Aspen lad when she got on top of these chicks, like she'd maul them back in the day. Juliana Miller, Joanna Miller has been doing some of the same stuff. So let's just see if she can keep it up as she moves up the ranks. Cause this is a very favorable matchup. I mean, on the feet, I think Veronica uh, Macedo might have something for her, some spin kicks, whatever. But it's just, when she finally succumbs that top position that's where juliana does her best work so i think she gets it done Just not interested at 500 so anyways now we got to talk about the fight to watch and the fighter to watch after that i'm down to answer any questions y'all got and please do me a huge favor smash the like button and if you're not already subscribed please subscribe so guys I think it's no secret that the fight to watch is the co-main event between Justin Gaethje and Rafael Fiziev. Justin Gaethje's been saying all week, I'm the most exciting fighter in the UFC. Hey, I, I believe you, bro, and you got a willing dance partner. Rafael Fiziev isn't going to come out here trying to hump your leg. Rafael Fiziev isn't going to come out here and make the crowd boo. Rafael Fiziev is going to give Justin Gaethje the firefight he wants, and, and for that reason, I mean, whether it's a performance of the night or a fight of the night, I mean, barring some kind of fluke outcome in terms of like, you know, a no contest low blow or some bullshit like that. Like these two are going to stand and bang until one man falls. So for that reason, gay versus fazee is clearly the fight to watch and my fighter to watch. This one's a little tougher, but you know what? Instead of a fighter to watch, let me give you a second fight to watch and let's go with Lerone Murphy versus Gabriel Santos. You're talking about two undefeated prospects, two guys that I think are going to go far in the division And Leroy Murphy comes in the UFC automatically fed to the wolves. Gabriel Santos won a belt in every organization he fought in outside the UFC and fought legitimately tough competition to get to this spot in the UFC. So this is a true prospect showdown. And for that reason, that's your other fight to watch. So I cannot wait. Now, I'm going to scroll up to the top of the chat and I'm down to answer anything y'all got for me. And then after that, I'm going to get out of here. Uh, once this is over, you all do me a huge favor and leave me a comment. Feel free to share all that. You'll help out the show tremendously, and I'm so grateful that you're here with me. So, Sci-Fi Writer said, looking forward to the breakdowns. Usually driving when listening. That's why you never hear from me. Well, it is good to hear from you. Robert says, he's got a max bet on Kamaru by decision, plus 110. Okay, good luck rex lee let's go dan and nick i appreciate that taylor ramey said "Communists don't give a thumbs up and subscribe yeah so all you non communists hit the subscribe hit the thumbs up i truly appreciate it got my boy will martin in the house let's get it let's get it marcus williams fuck yeah uh, hit up my boy the nubian bookstore and congrats on that very sharp big bet on rap my boy put like uh 10 large on him you know what i'm saying so it's fucking awesome to see you go out there and just uh cash and you know see your hard work paying off my man um rips and picks said veronica hardy first fight just did an interview with ariel saying she took six months off because of long time concussion symptoms uzman could easily be dealing with mental and physical problems they're very very valid points man um Kavathi says uzman decision is better than uzman money line know suit yourself you know whatever you think is best man i i ain't the one placing the bets for you uncle scoop said i really think uzman wins most of the minutes again but you know should have taken more time off feel like um he's gonna be more susceptible to the clip number two high on uzman not high enough for leon okay dirty reg said uzman still feels like the better fighter to me Uncle Scoob responded, Usman is the better fighter, but Garbrandt has been the better fighter in a lot of fights. Liddell was the better fighter than Franklin. So, you know, he's suspecting that the chin and the durability is going to diminish in this fight, which I understand. Um, and then they had like a little back and forth. You know, I'm sure y'all had fun with that. Choi B said, Gaethje, this is the fight. His years of brawling and eating punches uh, bites him in the ass. Yeah, um, hopefully, because I'm, <laughs> I'm betting on Rafael Fiziev most likely. So... Uh Dan Goldstein said, um, you know, champions that have lost their belts have only won the immediate rematch three um out of eleven times. Shout out to three eleven. What a great band. Um, but yeah, exactly. Like we were talking about that long reigning champ. Once they lose the belt, they don't often come back the same. And that's just that's just facts, you know. Um, but Uzman's, you know, on a different level mentally than a lot of guys. So maybe he's resilient enough to bounce back. We just have just remains to be seen. That's what makes this fight so intriguing. Dan Goldstein also said, I can lose three bets on Roman D'Elise and still be in the profit. So why would I not bet him again? Also, he thinks Roman could finish him. Next are in play. It's kind of hard to submit a guy like Vittorio from the, you know, with like a choke, but maybe like a heel hook or maybe a head kick or something. I don't know. We'll have to see. Um Uncle Wheezy said, What up, Dan and Nick? What up, Uncle Wheezy? My boy XBL on Twitch is in the house. What's up? Will Martin stamping his flag on Christian Leroy Duncan. Hey, man, I mean, you're putting your money where your mouth is. You know I respect that. Um, Dan Goldstein said, Dusko Robocop Rodriguez keeps his hands in his pocket too much. Duncan should win this at home. Maybe. I mean, unless uh, Dusko takes him down, you know. Um, Small World says regarding Joanne Calderwood, you can't really expect a 37-year-old female on a losing streak to suddenly have a career resurgence after marriage. Don't think Luana was even doing that bad in the Molly fight. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's a dog or past situation as far as I'm concerned. Creep says, two of the best in the business. Appreciate the breakdown. I appreciate you appreciating the breakdown. Uh, Dominic smash the like. Yes, please smash the like. Um, Dominic, I'm not going to post that comment about the best you-know-what, but uh, I, I disagree with you, my boy. On that one um bh says from macedo social media seems like she's pretty much made the full move to commentator media yeah she's got like a podcast now she's i mean listen you when you haven't fought in that many years and when you're probably not going to go that far in the ufc you gotta look for outside ventures so i think she's made the right moves you know and, and i'm proud of her um gentleman said your breakdowns and insight is the best on the internet thank you let's fucking go I appreciate that man uh for real um josh said how many bets did you say you have so far um so i right now at the time of this recording i've only bet omar morales at pick him, but i'm eyeing that fazeev and then i need to see if i'm actually gonna take those dog shots on carolina and Dushko. i'm still on the fence about those but i'm not on the fence about fazeev and i already played morales um, <laughs> VH said "Physique tape is essentially MMA porn um, Small World says do you in camp do you practice rear naked choke defense in particular seems to be the one submission anyone on any level can be caught by Andre Muniz uh, Shevchenko I'm asking because he thinks Edwards has a chance for a rear naked choke I mean it's just one, of course you practice it in the gym it's just one of those things that once you know it's under like basically once you know the forearms under the throat and they got the back of the hand on the head. That's when it's just, it doesn't matter how good your defense is. That's when it's really hard to, to escape it. So like a fully locked in rear naked choke, man, it's just basically what my professor says is don't get there. (laughs) You know, Don't get there. Right. So, you know, there are certain things you can do, you know, try to um, get rid of the hooks, try to slide your body out. But, that's you know worst case scenario i mean that's like when it's locked in it's locked in basically uh dominic says he thinks vittori rolls easily let's see um small world says as a bjj practitioner i imagine you would appreciate how important hand fighting and back mount survivability is fuck yeah i do especially considering people take my back all the time in the gym and i'm always surviving those bad spots so hand fighting is huge and also clearing the hooks it's huge too, man. Um, so hundred percent agree with you there, bro. Um, Lauren's asking me fizzy of round two or round three. It's, I don't know. Just, just fizzy. If I don't need to get cute with a, with a round or a method, just, just give me fizzy. Um, I don't give a fuck if it's a split decision or a first second knockout. Just give me, give me fizzy. Um, Lauren says she's playing leon sub, plus 2000 i can see a choke after a combo of punches odds too juicy not to yeah but if you're picking the underdog outright you might as well just take money line because you never know all right guys last call for questions um and uh after that i'm gonna get out of here so last call last call um and if that's all you got for me then i'm truly grateful once again you know for y'all joining me also appreciate my guest nikolikas y'all you already know the og one of the best in the biz um yeah, gotta gotta show love for a guy like Nikolika. So y'all do me that huge favor. Smash the like button, hit the subscribe button. After this is over, please leave me a comment. And then feel free to share. Let's get the word out there, man. You know, uh, it's just me and y'all. So I- I'm truly grateful that y'all are here joining me. Um, and thanks again for all the support. And let's come out here and get on a nice little win streak, man. You know, had some really good momentum last week with that Josh Frem plus 190. Um And honestly, even though the Rafael Asuncao bet at plus 130 didn't go my way, I'll make that bet again. You know, you give me a a plus 130 dog that's up 2 nothing going to the third and is 17 seconds away from winning a decision, but the ref didn't give him his position back, not making excuses, all all I'm just saying is that, like, that's one I'll make a bet. Uh, That's one I'll make again. Whereas, like, you know, a couple weeks ago, like, Yoan Lainez, I'd never make that bet again. That was a terrible bet. But I didn't think the Asuncao one was bad, and I thought the Josh Frem bet was... One of the best bets of the year so let's just keep it going let's stay humble let's try to pick our spots and that's it so thank you all again so much for all your support i truly truly sincerely appreciate it and until the next time let's
1: cash these bets